Blocking God's blessings would seem like uh, something we'd want to avoid. But uh, this happens to believers today. It happened back in the day uh, when Malachi was put together. So we're going to take a few minutes and see this, uh, how this unfolds. But I hope, I hope you're ready for something that kind of, it can kind of rock your world when you look at this. There is a uh, uh, tendency to miss it, and you're going to see uh, why as we go, go through this. But we can do this with God. We do it in relationships. We just do things that can keep us from enjoying life at its best, the best relationships, best opportunities, the best future. We just do things to make sure that it just doesn't happen for us. So we have a big keep out sign. We'll do the keep out and we take blocks and huge rocks and we begin to build until we have a defensive position to uh, protect ourselves. On the inside, we, we think, man, I, I've got it made in here and I'm going to keep all of them out there. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want them to enter my space. This, this is me, and I'm controlling my world. And that's sort of what's unfolding here. They have come up with their own idea of who God is, what God expects. And so we're, we're kind of hitting that place. But we do it with people. We do it with God. And they did it. We just want to learn from them and say, let's not do it that way. So here's a, a problem of immense proportions. A problem of immense proportions from Malachi. Chapter 1, verse 6. The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priest, A son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You've shown contempt for my name, but you ask, How have we ever shown contempt for your name? God is calling them out, and you just just run this through your own head. You look in Scripture, maybe God has brought something to mind, and he's pointing something out to you, and, and, and you're going, nope, nope, not me. I've never done that. No, that's not what I meant by that. That's, when I said that, when I did that to that person, when, and, and God's just shaking his head. Because in this situation, these are priests that he's addressing who are working in the temple. The temple has been reestablished, and we're talking at this particular point, 400 years before Jesus arrives, but they've had the law for a thousand years. They got in trouble because they weren't listening to the Lord, and and they went their own way, so they, they are carried off first by the Assyrians in the northern tribes and by Babylon in the southern tribes. Now they're back. The temple was destroyed in 586 B.C. Now it's put back together. They have, it's not as nice, but it's something that they can go back to their practices, their sacrifices. All that is happening in the temple. They have the scriptures that are very detailed. And most of you have memorized Leviticus, Deuteronomy, so you know all those details that are in, in, 
that gives the instructions for the priest and what's expected. So none of this is like news to them. And yet, they decide to go their own way because they have uh, become calloused. They are listening to the crowd. They are following their own desires, whatever it is that, that strikes them. And so whatever God has said has gotten pushed away. And that's where we can find ourselves at times going, okay, I want to do this. The world around me says we ought to do this. The people on TV say we should do this. CNN says this. Fox says this. Therefore, that's what we should do. And God's going, "Ah, I wrote something about that. It's been around a while. And if you just pop that book open, I'll show you some direction, a redirect or correction. In this case, they don't even get it. These are the priests. These are the people who know the book. They know the instructions. They know what they're supposed to do. And they are, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? Trust the professionals, they say. Yep, these are the priests at the temple, the trained ones. Many, and most of their training, are, are memorizing the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. So they've, they've gotten that, and they, they know these instructions. And yet this is where we find ourselves. Malachi uh, 1, verse 7, You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. He's just calling them out. They, they're going through these actions thinking God's just going to be happy to get something. And so they give him some whatever shows up and looking for maybe some kickbacks from the, from the countryside or from others who have influence in the the priests are not representing God as they ought. So that's how we have wound up at this particular point. Giving God the worst, Malachi uh, 1 verse 8, when you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is says the Lord of heaven's armies. So the governor is pretty a a low-level authority in the scheme of things because he just, the Lord has just said who he is. He is Yahweh, and he is the one who is in charge of and has created all the hosts. So the heavenly beings is what he's talking about, the Lord's armies, and, you know, armies are usually used for battle, aren't they? They can come alongside, they can help and rescue at times, but their armies are used for, for taking on some serious things. He is the one in charge of all that. What's the governor in charge of? State, little area, territory. And here's the one who is supreme over all. And he's saying, really, you would give better gifts to your governor than you would give to me, the Lord of heaven's armies. Again, they're oblivious. 
They're just, they're just giving whatever. So they're giving leftovers. They're giving what is broken. None of these things meet the requirements of the law that they were given, the instructions that they were given that were very clear. They have gone their own way, and they decided, well, this will do. This will do. And think, think of the service that you've seen from time to time in, in whether it's a church or, or a ministry, a mission, and people think, well, this is good enough. You know, I got this broken down thing. I'll just give that to the church because it's broken. I don't want to give a new one. That'd be silly. They could use this. Let me just give them the worn out stuff. Let me give them the thing. They could patch it. They could probably got, they've got somebody who can work on this. I'll just give them whatever, you know, left over. And besides, it's taking up space in my garage and, or just a token. You know, I could give them something really significant, but, you know, I'm just not feeling that because I'm going to need that or I just want to keep that or I'm going to put that away for a rainy day or I'm going to, you know, we can talk ourselves into that too. And there are times when God has tapped us on the shoulder and says, I want you to give them what, whatever this may be the best. I want you to go to the other extreme and just see what I do in your life. So this is how we block God's blessings. That's what the lessons we're learning. How can I keep God from giving me the blessings that I really would enjoy if I paid attention? So I'm just going to give them leftovers. Broken? Yeah, maybe something that's a token. Maybe that'll make him happy because, you know, he's easy to fool because he doesn't know and he doesn't know our motives. I'm, I'm being... Uh, a little challenging there. Anyway, okay. No FOMO. That means fear of missing out. Okay. Go ahead. Beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Asks the Lord of Heaven's armies in verse 9. They have no fear of missing out. I mean, people are fearful of missing out if they don't have the right shoes, they don't have the right shirt, they don't have the right... It's all over Facebook. And you go, wow, that drives people to do all kinds of things, spend all kinds of money. And yet, here's God Almighty, and, and these priests are to represent him, and they have no fear of missing out. They assume that they should be blessed just because they're cute, or for some reason... But they don't have to do what God has asked them to do. Go ahead. Beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? In order to get the favor, it's to do what he's asked us to do. When he's asked us to do that, then there's favor that comes with it. It's just built into the system. And he wants to reward. He wants to bless. He wants to... Reveal more and more of himself and of heaven and of the future and of what he has in store for us. And we can just cut ourselves off. We just build bigger walls, bigger defenses. And we just avoid doing what he's asked us to do. There's all, all of those things are related to this. Shut it down. Verse 10. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, 
says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will not accept your offerings. So he's, he's tired of it. He's tired of what they're doing and how they're using the system that's supposed to be good. It's supposed to bring the people together. Did you realize when they sacrifice, a lot of what they bring, it keeps, part of it keeps the system going, keeps the country going. There's a lot of that involved in all of this. But this is, this is him uh, providing a way for people to come together and build unity in the, among the people uh, within Israel. So when they come to the temple, they sacrifice, they have celebrations three times a year. The, the men are supposed to come and meet. When they do those sacrifices, many of them are fellowships. It's a potluck. There's a big pot, and they bring the sacrifice. The meat is taken and divided. Priests get some, and the Levites get some, and here, here these guys that are left who are making the sacrifice get to sit down and have barbecue. This sounds horrible, doesn't it? They, they get to celebrate by being together, honor the God who's provided these things for them, and then they get to have a time of sitting around, eating these things together, also with the priest who they, they hope would know something about you know, God and, and be able to share, teach them some more. So all of that would be very positive. And he's saying, just shut the temple doors. No more. These guys are bringing nothing. This is just horrible the stuff that, they, that they're bringing into this place. And he points out that God is honored by others. This is verse, in uh, verse 11. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So other people, and remember, Israel is his group, his people. Those are the ones he's brought into his place, into his heart. And he's keeping them for himself. The other nations were handed off to some other, other uh, gods who were less responsible and led people in a different direction. But even out there, because people can see that the one true God, the creator God, has done his, his work, and they recognize him. And so people around the world still see him as who he truly is, and they honor him. And he's point, pointing that out to these guys. They have the temple, they have the scriptures, they have a priesthood. They have all of these things going for them, and they have rejected it and rejected him because they don't want to do it his way. But around the world, there are other people who are offering uh, true offerings to him. They don't have a temple. They don't have all this other, but they recognize him, and it is... Uh, it's kind of a cool thing that he, he is uh, recognizing the people around the world who, who come to that place to see who he is. And you dishonor and defile, verse 12. But you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food you are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. I don't know. If you bring some, some kind of a roast and, it, and it's got a lot of green and some stuff growing on it, and that's what you want to throw in the pot to share with everybody, 
like we're having a fellowship today, and I hope nobody did that. There's, you know, a tendency not to want to eat that. And then if you do try it, you know, so it's a little questionable, and uh, illnesses tend to come from things like that. And you go, yeah, that makes sense. You dishonor my name, says the Lord, because you bring contemptible food, and you're saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. Now, since they didn't have communion and they didn't have the Lord's table the way we know about that because Jesus had not been here and set that up, we're talking about the Lord's table that happens when the sacrifices are made. They bring out the barbecue and they get to share it. So this is the Lord's table. He takes this serious, this fellowship time. He wants to have people share meals and, and talk about him and encourage each other and, and just have a good time. He's really in favor of us enjoying life to the fullest. So he's built us in. You know, again, isn't that a horrible system? Wow. You dishonor my name with your actions. And we just have to watch that, even ourselves, not to get calloused, not to think, well, he doesn't really care about this thing. He cares about the same things that I do. So he matches me. That's not how it works. It's him. He's the one he created, and he's given us these instructions ahead to save us from ourselves or to save us from building those giant walls and getting behind them and missing out on the blessings. He wants to pour some things out on us for our good. And it is just uh, a struggle. And these are people who are called by his name. This, this is Israel. Too hard, y'all. This is verse 13. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord, and you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these, asks the Lord. He's providing, he gives them air to breathe, he gives them rain to keep their crops growing, sunshine, and protects them from enemies invading. He does all sorts of things to let them live life and produce the things that they need to to live. And their idea after that is to think, I don't know, here's here's a a lamb or a bull that, you know, he's not doing so well, he's got a couple of broken legs and... And uh, I think I'll just take this one on up there because he's not going to be any good to me. Maybe I can find a way to give him, uh, maybe he won't notice or the priest won't notice. They'll let this slide, which is the problem because the priests are letting these things slide. And the Lord is going, wow, too hard to serve the Lord. So you turn up your noses at my commands. And just think, just put those things together with, Jesus says, you know, I want you to forgive people. And you go, thanks for that. That's, that's a beautiful thought. No, thank you. I don't think I want to do that. You don't know what they did to me. And, of course, you're addressing the person who does know. <laughs> it was so hard. It's just too hard. Your commands are too hard. You don't have to blow up at everything. You don't have to worry about everything. You don't have to control everything. Oh, Lord, you don't know how hard it is. 
to keep your commands. I just have to do this, you know, my way. You need to get in line with what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and what I've been through. You just, you just got to understand that's where I'm coming from. And God Almighty's shaking his head again, going, really? Another generation of this? I've been through this. It's too hard to serve the Lord. So we try to sneak past him with little gifts and tokens of some kind of appreciation and hopes that he doesn't notice we're not really obedient. We really don't want to listen to him. We don't really want to do what he's called us to do. Ah, we get in trouble. The result of cheating on the Lord, verse 14 Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is feared among the nations. All the other people recognize that there is a God, there is a great God, there is a creator God, there is a most high God, and he's going, out there, there are some people, you know, it's not everybody, but there are people out there. Fear my name. And here you are, my official appointed people, my nation, and my representatives in the temple, the priest, who are doing these kind of things and cheating. And you still want to be blessed. How does that work? So he's having a little problem. Uh, a whole lot of Malachi's this way. So I know you're going to be encouraged over the last next few weeks. Let me, let me just point out a couple of things. Lord of heaven's armies. Let's take a look at that. It's, there's an emphasis in all this. It's stated seven times in nine verses. Seven times in nine verses. That means something. It's repeated. It's repeated. It's repeated because it means something. And he's trying to say, there is no higher authority. There is no greater king. There is no one above me. He is the most high. And he repeats it. He's also mentioning the army thing, which means he can bring down an army anytime he wants to. And he's brought them in, human armies, and they've come back from captivity, captivity to rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And that's the time that we're catching the prophet Malachi as he's addressing these people. You think, man, they would have learned the lesson on that one. Nope. Lord of hosts, which is also Lord of heaven's armies, Lord of hosts, well, it can be these, these things. Sometimes he's called Lord of hosts and it re- it's about the celestial body. So when you look up at night and you see all those stars and the galaxies and the planets and all that's going on out there, he is the Lord of all of that. So he is the one who is the Lord of hosts of the celestial bodies. He's also the Lord of hosts. Physical armies, primarily Israel's, he will sometimes refer to their army as his, and he's the one in charge. He's the commander. And sometimes when he brings somebody to correct them, another army from outside, he will say, I'm in charge of that one. So he's, he's talking about all of that. Often and most often is the angelic armies. So that's those heavenly beings who, who serve him, and they are... Uh, 
It says myriad of myriads, which means there's a bunch out there. And with and we don't know the number. It's sometimes related to the number of of uh, stars or objects in the sky in the celestial body. And you go, we're not sure. We haven't really numbered all that. So, you know, there's a a lot. Angelic army, so the unseen realm of of beings that are serving God are also part of this. So the celestial ones, physical armies, primarily Israel's, and then the angelic armies that are in the unseen realm. And he's saying, I'm that guy. But you would give better gifts to some human being who's a governor than me. You would choose to please a human being over me. And they have done it over and over again. Take a look at this from 1 Samuel 17. This is David. David replied to the Philistine. There's this giant dude, this Philistine guy. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Swings a little rock, bam, and Goliath is down because he represents (laughs) the Lord of heaven's armies. There's a blessing. He can take down any giant anytime. And all it takes is a little pebble to take him out when it's in the hands of the one representing the Lord of heaven's armies. It's amazing. It is amazing to see what God can do. They have turned their back on him. They've become calloused. They are oblivious because they are not comparing anything to the scriptures, to the truth, and their own training. They have ignored all of that and gone their own way. So blocking God's blessings, show contempt for the Lord. That is something that we're seeing as we look at this. Disregard for his instructions. Again, that's, that shows that we're trying to you know, keep those blessings back. I think I'll just do it my way. And, and then later in life go, I don't know. I, you know. I was waiting for God to answer my prayer or to show up or to help me with, yeah, you just cut yourself off. You built these giant walls to make sure that he can't bless you. Regard God as little or nothing. So he's not as great as governor, because you'd give better gifts to the governor than you would to him. Uh, Given what is stolen or worthless. That's another level. So, you know, what should we give to the Lord? Well, he's invisible. He's not, you know, I don't, he's not right here doing something. I can't hear his voice echoing and in this room, so therefore I can, I can just do whatever I want to do. And he's saying, I'm keeping an eye. Regard God as little or nothing, giving what is stolen or worthless, cheat him by promising one thing and doing another. You ever promise, well, Lord, you know, I, I understand that reading scripture is important, so I'm, I'm, buddy, I'm on it. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be studying the scriptures 
No, prayer is important. I'm gonna, I, I will be praying every day. Oh, you want me to go share the gospel with people? I am on that. I will be busy. I will go on mission. I will, and then, then Thursday rolls around and you go, I'm busy. And the mission doesn't happen and the scriptures don't you know, get interrupted by something on Netflix. And then there's, you know, could pray, but, you know, now it's late. I got to go to bed. And we can do it. We can do a similar thing. But God's trying to bless us, and he wants to bring those things to bear, which is why he sent Malachi to speak to the people. Say, come on, let's get this straight. Let's turn this around, because he wants to open the doors for something better. So God's blessings are for his faithful ones. Here at the end of Joshua, the book of Joshua, you'll find this in 24.15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That is the choice we all get to make. We're going to serve the gods from over there, or the gods of the culture, the gods around us. We're going to serve the Lord. And I think there's a, a, a call in that. It says, among the people in this house, we will serve the Lord. We will turn our attention to him. And serve him his way. So that he can bless us. Tear down the walls. Do it the way he's called us. And discover the good things that he has in store. Blessings are waiting. Let's pray. Father, thank you for revealing yourself in so many ways, for working with the people of Israel, for being patient with people around this world for all these centuries, for being patient with us. And Lord, it is it's just easy to build those walls and then miss out, to put up barriers and say, I'm not going to do that, Lord. That's too hard. And yet you've called us to do some things that are for our own good for the good of those around us, for the good of your kingdom. And the blessings will flow. And we don't want to miss them, Lord. So uh, open our hearts, our eyes uh, to these things so that we can see clearly what you would have us do so that we might honor you in all the things that we are involved in. And Lord, that for us as individuals, for us as families, Lord, we can join with Joshua and say we will serve the Lord. In Jesus' name.